You can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4, as we'll be in John chapter 4 this morning in God's Word together. And uh, we are continuing on in our series entitled, There Was Jesus. I hope you've been encouraged already this morning in our time of, of singing and worship of the Lord through our singing and communion together. And uh, what a joy we have now to open God's word together. And we'll be looking at John chapter 4. It's a rather lengthy passage of scripture uh, that we'll be looking at this morning. I want to begin by reading the entirety of the passage, which is John chapter 4 verses 1 through 39. And I think this is just going to be a blessing to us this morning as we read God's word uh, in an incredible account of Jesus interacting with a woman uh, from Samaria. And so let's read this. You can follow along in your copy of God's word as I read. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God... And who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? 
So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out from the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into that labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. This is an incredible, incredible account of just a a magnificent encounter between this woman at the well and Jesus, this woman of Samaria and our Savior, Jesus. And as you can imagine in these 39 verses, there are a lot of truths and great things that we can show and look at together in this passage. We don't have time to do a verse-by-verse deep Um, inspection of all that's here and we want to look at this story this encounter which is real and true and and just look at it together this morning under this understanding of this encounter this woman had with the Messiah with Jesus there was Jesus for this woman and in this woman's life and I want us to just see a number of truths this morning that I think are valuable and I think are impactful for us as believers today, as those that are seeking to honor and glorify Christ, but also if you're here today and you do not have a personal relationship with Christ, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, maybe you have been here before, this is your first time, and you don't have that relationship with the Son of God, with Jesus Christ as Savior. These truths are impactful, hopefully, for you as well this morning that you would recognize, even as this woman would need to come and recognize who exactly Jesus is, what Jesus offers, and what Jesus only can do. Uh, Right away, I find this passage to be magnificent because it really gives us an inside look at the heart of our Savior, the heart of Jesus. The passage begins where Jesus is going to be traveling, and interestingly enough, John says that he had to, verse 4, he had to pass through Samaria. He had to pass through Samaria. Well, it wasn't entirely true that he had to because there was no other route to go. Uh, But this statement of he had to pass through Samaria could be because Jesus was wanting to cut off some time in his travel because this route would prove to be quicker. But it also could be that supernaturally, uh, in a way that only God could, through Christ, know, as no one else could know, that there was going to be a woman at the sixth hour at a well in Samaria, and Jesus was going to have an encounter with that woman, which is what I firmly believe, because Jesus knew exactly where he was going, exactly who he would meet with, exactly who would be there at that exact time. And I love that because this shows, again, the heart, the compassion, the love, the care that our Savior Jesus Christ has for the one, the the one, for the one that is lost, for the one that is outcast, for the one that is uh, rejected, for the one that no one else might seem to love or care for, Jesus does. Isn't that magnificent? I love that. 
And so we read that Jesus is going to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria, and he was going to go to a well that was there. Jacob's well was there. It says in verse 6, Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well about the sixth hour. Jesus, weary from his journey. You know, there's something else that shows us this. The sixth hour was noon, and, and Jesus is wearied from his journey, sitting there, and it says he's weary. This tells us about the humanity of Christ. We're understanding from the word of God, and we can't fully process it. We can't fully understand it. Uh, theologically, what is known as Jesus being the theanthropic being, which is fully God, yet fully man. 100% God, 100% man. And we can't process that. We can't fully understand that. But what we see here in this passage is the humanity of Jesus, that Jesus got tired. He, he grew weary from his journey. And the passage says that. But coincidentally, which I don't believe it's coincidentally. So when I say coincidentally, that means I don't really believe coincidentally. So coincidentally, Jesus is wearied from his journey right at that spot. At that particular well. At that particular time of day. Noon. By the Jewish, if it was going according to Roman time, it would be 6 p.m. According to Jewish time, it would be noon, which seems to make more sense with the flow of the passage. That this would be the, the noon hour. So Jesus is weary from his journey, and he is right where he needs, wants to, and expected to be. And wouldn't you know it, coincidentally, that there would be a very specific woman that would be making her way to that exact location at just about that exact time. I just think that's incredible. I went to my daughter's cross-country meet yesterday, and it was at Malone University. And there was a path, you know, that they, that they have to follow for their cross-country. They run two miles. And, and so I was there, and I'm, I'm the dad that, like, when the cross-country, like, there's people who just kind of stand at the end, and they cheer them on. I'm the one who's like, let me get on the course, and I'm going to, like, hit her at different locations when she's going. So I could be like, go, Elika. So... I asked someone, I said, hey, what's the course like? And this woman was telling me, she's like, I'll tell you what. She's like, if you want the ideal spot. The ideal spot to stand when, you're, when, when they're going to be running. And she said, that tree off in the distance there, if you stand right underneath that tree, the kids will run right by you. And you can literally talk to them like right next to you because they run right by there. And then when they loop around and come back, you can talk to them again because they're right there. And I'm like, I'm there. So I went to that spot and I'm standing there and I'm waiting. And the runners are all coming. And as they're all coming, I'm watching everyone as they come by. And then I see my daughter starting to run. And I was like, all right, girl, go. And, like, and I'm like yelling for it and everything else. And she looked at me and she smiled and kind of gave me a thumbs up. And she kept running. Well, then there was another location. I ran to this other location and she comes down. And I'm like, all right, go, go. And I'm telling her, you want me to run with you? And she was like, yeah, run with me. I'm like, nah, dad's not doing that. And so she just kept running. But I specifically picked strategized for the precise location where I knew I would have a great time of interaction with my daughter as she was running to encourage her, to, to, to spur her on, to get her going, right? And then I, I hit her again towards the end when I was like, pass them! Like, I was like, you know, yelling, like, you got it! And she, like, really picked it up, and she had her PR for the thing. She was so excited, which is her, her personal record for that, and she went and, and did a great job. But my point being is, is I, as a dad who loved my daughter, and want to encourage her, want to be there for her, want to spur her on, pick the exact location, the precise location where I thought that would best happen. And do you realize what Jesus is doing in this passage? 
There's a woman of Samaria who would go to the well every day, most likely, all by herself, not when everybody else would go. Who had five husbands, who no doubt would go to that well in the middle of the day, which is not when people go, and the passage actually tells us that. And she would be all by herself, but not on this particular day. Because Jesus would be there. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, verse 7, give me a drink. The woman startled at this, verse 9, because she says, how in the world could you, a Jew who has no dealings with Samaritans, Samaritans in in the eyes of those that were Jews in that day were considered to be unclean. She says, how is it that you're asking me for a drink? Jesus tells her, verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. We've read that. Jesus would say, verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Can I just make a point at the beginning here? Jesus offers something that no one else can offer. I think we all need to understand this. If you're here today and you have been searching and searching and searching for hope in life, you've been searching and searching for meaning in life, you've been searching and searching for a right relationship with Almighty God, and you have tried everything. I want to share with you this morning that Jesus Christ can offer something that no one else can offer. If you're here and you have a relationship with Jesus, can you be reminded again this morning, child of God, that our Savior Jesus offers something no one else can offer. Jesus says to this woman, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But the water that I shall give, but the water that I will give, verse 14, will never cause that person to be thirsty again. The water I will give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone offers everlasting life. There is life found in no other than Jesus Christ. There is but one name, the word of God tells us, given among men, whereby we much, by which we must be saved, and that is at the name of Jesus. This is what God has done. God has demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is what Jesus has done. We've read it already this morning in the passage that was read in the book of Hebrews. That Jesus Christ has offered as himself the one time sufficient sacrifice for our sins. That the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient. It is enough to offer forgiveness of sins. And the one that believes and knows Christ, that places their faith and trust in Christ, that confesses with their mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believes in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, will be saved, will be forgiven, will have everlasting life. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, the word of God tells us. Jesus offers something that no one else can offer to you. He offers that. And if you're here today and you are lost, 
You are helpless. You can't help yourself. You're lost and without hope today. There is hope to be found in Christ because Jesus offers life, forgiveness, hope, and relationship with the Father through him. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He offers this. You know, most people, most people, organizations, politicians, bosses, leaders offer something. They overpromise and they underdeliver. Not so with our God. Not so with our God. He never overpromises and yet underdelivers. Jesus would make a statement to this woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He's saying, listen, if you knew who I am, if if you knew I am the Messiah, I am the Christ, I am the Savior, I'm sitting right with you, I'm here because I care and love and value you because I'm going to open your eyes to who I am. If you knew who it is that is with you, you would be calling out to him and saying, Lord, save me. Give me this living water that I may have life. And I wanna share with you today that today can be the day of salvation for you through faith in Jesus Christ as savior. If you truly knew You who are sitting here and don't know Christ as Savior, who it is that offers to you life today, that he is Savior, that he is God, that he alone is the one that can make you right, you would be calling out to him for salvation. You'd be confessing with your mouth Christ as Savior because of what he offers to you. Jesus offers something that no one else can offer. You know, we put our stock, we put our hope and trust in so many other things, don't we? Expecting them to deliver and yet they just fail. There are so many things that offer hope or deliverance or peace or joy and they just fall short. They're just miserably falling short. I remember when I was in college, I know you would not be able to imagine this, even if you have a very imaginative mind, uh, you would not be able to imagine this, but in college, I didn't like have rock solid abs in college. I know that's tough to believe right now that you wouldn't know that, but I didn't have rock solid abs in college, all right? Still don't, if I'm gonna like slide it in, I don't still. But when I was in college, they had this, they had this belt that they came out with called fast abs. How many of you know what that is? Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many of you ordered fast abs, but I did, okay? I got, I got, a, I saw the information, I'm like, fast abs? I'm like, that's what I've been missing my whole life, is fast abs. And it was a belt that you wore that had these, like, electronic, like, imp, like pulses that would hit your, your abdominal muscles, and it was supposed to help, like, chisel your abs, and I'm like, all right, so like I can eat pizza, ice cream, I can do that and just get fast abs and done, right? If I can just keep everything the same but get this belt, I'm golden, right? That's what I'm thinking. So I ordered this fast abs, didn't really care if people were going to make fun of me for it because if it gave me abs, I didn't care. I would just be like, blah, like when it happened. <laughs> so I ordered fast abs and I ordered this belt and I put it on. And I got to tell you, I was loving this because I'm like, I don't got to do, like, I don't got to do sit-ups. I don't got to do crunches. I can just eat my pizza and have fast abs. And, and that's it. I, I'm going to let you in on a secret. I'm going to save you like 25 bucks. It doesn't work. 
okay? It doesn't work, okay? Here, here's the problem. Uh, there's all these people that were like showing how it worked, but, but I don't know if it actually worked for them and they just like also ate really well and they also exercised really disciplined exercise or not. But what I can tell you is this, fast abs was not gonna work for me if my, my diet wasn't going to change and if, if my exercise routine didn't change, if all that I was relying and depending on was the fast abs belt, I wasn't getting abs. You know, in, in life, so many people are trying to figure out a way to get to God and they think if I can just this, 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 and this, I can be okay in God's sight. But listen, you can't perfectly keep everything. You can't. And although with my fast ab story, that belt in and of itself alone was not sufficient to transform my midsection, Jesus Christ, independent of anything else, is sufficient to transform your life. He offers something that no one else can offer. It's not Jesus plus something else. It's Christ alone that offers you what no one else can offer. And he tells this woman, the water that I will give will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Secondly, Jesus knows what no one else knows. Now, some of you might get a little bit uncomfortable right now because he knows what no one else knows. He even knows your thoughts. He knows the words that we speak before we even speak them. Jesus knows what no one else knows. In this passage, the woman, verse 15, says, Sir, give me this water that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said, Go call your husband, come here. The woman says, I have no husband. Jesus says, you are right. And saying, I have no husband for you, have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Jesus knows what no one else knows. He knows. He knows all about our sin. He knows all of the areas of our lives that we fall short in. He knows all of our efforts that go without reward. He knows all that we've done, all that we think, All that we are, he knows. You see this supernaturally. How could he know this about this woman? Well, he is the creator God. She says, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. He's much more than a prophet. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. I want you to know today that you may feel you're dealing with something in life that no one has awareness of, that no one can understand, that no one sees. And I want you to know that Christ does. As a child of God today, there's great encouragement in that because you know he cares for you. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, there's encouragement to be found that he fully knows and is aware of all of your, my baggage, and yet still went to the cross to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins and offers forgiveness in life. Jesus knows what no one else knows. Number three, Jesus can do what no one else can do. Jesus can do what no one else can do. As you read through this passage and you jump down to the latter part of the passage, Jesus is going to say to this woman after she says, when Messiah comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus will proclaim to this woman, I who speak to you am he. 
Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah to this woman. The passage would lead me to believe that at that moment, this woman believed in Christ because she would leave her water pot, the passage says. The very reason she initially went to that location, left it there to go and run and tell people, this is the Messiah. The passage will say many others will believe in Jesus. Others, so in, meaning that there were others that already had believed, which I believe includes this woman who would see and know that this is the Messiah because Jesus would proclaim it to her and open her eyes to that truth. Jesus would do what no one else could do. He would transform this woman's life. A woman who was really without hope, without acceptance, without joy, lost, would be found and would enter into relationship with Almighty God through his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus can do what no one else can do. And can I share with you today, he can do what no one else can do in your life today as well. He can make you alive. He can make you alive. Can I just challenge us with three quick challenges? Number one, call out to Jesus. Call out to Jesus. The word of God says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we can be saved. We will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to encourage you this morning, call out to Jesus if you don't know him as Savior. If you're saved and you're his child, call out to Jesus. He hears, he knows, he cares for you. Call out to him. You know he can do what no one else can do. Call out to him. Number two, trust in Jesus. Jesus has demonstrated time and time again, if you're a believer in Christ, that he can be trusted. Trust in him, child of God. As you walk through life, trust in him. As you face challenges, trust in him. As you encounter others, trust in him. If you do not know Jesus, let me tell you, there's no one greater to put your faith and trust in today than Jesus. He offers what no one else can offer for you. He can do what no one else can do for you. He knows you better than anyone else could possibly know you. And he offers his forgiveness and life through him to you. Trust in Jesus. And then number three, follow Jesus. There's no one like him. There's no one like him. This incredible encounter, this is par for the course for Jesus. This is what he does. He takes what is broken and he makes it well. He takes what is dead and he makes it alive. He takes what is lost and gives security, hope, and causes it to be found. Follow Jesus. There's no one like him. We have a testimony from a woman in our church that we want you to hear this morning. And just listen to her story of how she followed Jesus with her life. My name is Brooke, and this is my testimony. I didn't have a mom growing up. My mom left when we were kids. That kind of, I feel like, is important to my testimony because I didn't have a woman to, like, guide me or lead me anywhere. 
And I was just raised by my dad, who was a single father of three, who was an alcoholic, you know, did drugs. He did the best that he could, but he didn't really, like, lead us to God or anything like that. So we didn't have those role models growing up. As the years went on, um, my uncle molested me. And I think that really like impacted my self-worth and my self-esteem, which later in life led me to just being with anyone who would have me. Cause I think that that's where I was trying to find my self-worth. Like, you know, tell me I'm pretty and then, you know, we can be together, or do whatever. And that led me to getting pregnant when I was 18, which was incredibly difficult, but I did contemplate having an abortion, which is like something I'm not proud of now, but I'm really glad that I kept Noah because even though he's 12 and he's a pain, he is like seriously such a joy in my life. I just feel like I spent years just like doing whatever. Um, when I joined the military when I was 17 and that gave me structure I needed, but it also gave me like too much freedom. Um, Cause like it was going from having Noah and being a mom all the time to then I would have like weekends where I didn't have him because I was supposed to be working and I would just go and drink and smoke pot and do things I shouldn't be doing, getting in trouble. Um, and then I was deployed in 2012. While I was deployed, I seriously just went crazy. Like I was over there, I did my job and everything, but I also didn't have like any responsibilities as far as kids go. After I got back from the Afghanistan, I just continued that lifestyle. I feel like every, every sin that I did, like as I kept going to church, as I continued to grow in my faith, even if I didn't realize that it was happening, I would feel a little more convicted, a little more convicted until I was like, this is not the life that I wanna be living. I just knew that it was time, like it was time for me to forget about the past, forget about the pain, forget about the sin that I've done, and just like seriously follow Christ because like that's all there is, you know? What else is there in this world? There's nothing else in this world. I definitely think that saying there was Jesus applies to so many parts of my life because I didn't even know what all God was saving me from while I was in it. But my dad ended up going to prison and honestly there was Jesus because where I was living in downtown Akron at the time I was going to get pregnant soon and then so there was Jesus taking me to a different school taking me to a different environment and then there was Jesus for my dad who needed who went to prison and found Jesus and needed that to change his life so Jesus was protecting us all in that moment and then while I was sleeping around there was Jesus making sure that I wasn't getting pregnant repeatedly or you know getting sick there was Jesus keeping me healthy and I just felt like God put all these little things that I can see now looking back like he was trying to carve a path for me but I just couldn't find it but there he was. And then when it all came falling down, I just, there was nowhere else to go. And I just, I kept doing all of these things because I didn't realize that he was always there for me. And like, I don't need a man to make me feel loved. Jesus is my savior and he makes me feel loved. And I just needed to accept that love. And I mean, I'm just glad he never gave up, right? Because 
now like that's all there is and there's nothing else in this world for me and I, you know when I'm I'm ready to go whenever he's ready to take me and I know exactly where I'm going so I'm just really I'm really <laughs> excited about that right there's no fear in death I'm ready because I know Jesus is waiting for me and there's nothing better than that There was Jesus. In your life, in my life, there was a moment in time where Jesus showed himself so real to us and transformed our lives. He alone is Savior. He alone is Lord. He alone can do what no one else can do.